Well, greetings, everyone. It is really good to see you here at New Hope Church on this, I don't know, what, is it spring? <laughs> I mean, last week it was 80, and now we've got five to six inches of snow. Welcome to Minnesota, right? I mean, here we are. And, uh, I mean, this is great. I love it. So, uh, I, my name is Matthew, and uh, I am so honored to be with you here today. And if you're here on our campus, let me just off, also offer a special recognition to you because not only is the weather what it is, right, but then you're having to navigate all the traffic with the uh, big bridge work out here. And so thank you for taking time to do that. I'm imagining there's a handful of you watching, uh, maybe more so than normal, uh, as part of our online community. And so welcome right here to New Hope Church uh, in the Minneapolis area. Again, it's just a pleasure to be with all of you. And is Jesus not worthy of glory? Isn't he great? And we wanna, we are just so thankful for this great King, our Savior, our blessed Savior Jesus. And uh, what a sweet time to worship together and just to be together here uh, for a little bit. So Father, as we give attention to uh, this new series these weeks uh, from your word, as we continue in a spirit of uh, worship and, and uh, care to see Jesus, to know him, and to really experience your wisdom and love, we pray you'd meet us as you find us here now and unleash your spirit to speak to us, oh God. I know that you have something to say to all of us here today, and so make it so. And may we receive eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts and frames, postures to receive. And all God's people said, amen, amen. One day Jesus sat on the stone rim of an ancient well. And he had a conversation with an ostracized woman who had arrived at that well knowing that the villagers had no use for her. She was there alone, except for this Jesus who she discovered there when she arrived. She came from a Samaritan village. Jesus is Jewish. She is a woman who sneaks to the well in the heat of the day so as to avoid the scorn of the townspeople. She is a woman who has had many partners and the villagers thought she was gross. Jesus loved her and gave her hope. At some point in time, you need to read the story. It is in the Gospel of John in the fourth chapter. But for right now, I want to offer some simple wisdom from the encounter that Jesus had with this woman. It's timely. It's necessary wisdom. First, despite the complexity of her story, Jesus did not condemn her. Now, the townspeople were scandalized by her for sure. But Jesus showed her respect and care. 
Secondly, importantly, despite her story, this woman is not a culture war talking point. She is a human being deeply loved by God. Thirdly, Jesus cast a vision for her for better things. Better things. With him as the prophet, priest, and king who redeems and renews and offers himself as the only one who can define her humanity so that she flourishes and has life. Now these things I share with you need to be the posture that we have as disciples of Jesus. This ought to be how we live our lives. It ought to be how our church is. And it certainly needs to be the posture that we have as we navigate what will be some challenging conversation these days ahead around issues of gender and sexuality and community. There are some who are listening to my voice right now that are going to expect that I loudly call out the LGBTQ plus community. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. That would be reductionistic and marginalizing, and it would play into culture warrior schemes that are never modeled by Jesus or the apostles. There are some listening to my voice that want me to be robustly affirming of homosexuals and those pursuing a transgender agenda. I'm not going to do that either. For that too would be reductionistic and it would be a clear departure from God's beautiful vision for suffering that gives way to glory, creation that enjoys redemption. Now there are some listening to my voice right now that identify as, or at least wrestle with, same-sex attraction, or wrestle with sexual or gender identity. And this moment, this conversation, these weeks, terrifies you. But I want you to know, I love you. And I am really honored to be with you here. But more importantly, our Lord Jesus loves you with an undying love. And he sees you and he knows you by name and you are precious in his sight. And he has 
infinite capacity to deal with and is very comfortable engaging complex questions and big feelings. And this is his house. And you are welcome in his house. Now, next weekend, Lord willing, we're going to look at God's word and talk about the reality of two and only two sexes. Lord willing, the week after that, we're going to talk about the power of covenant marriage and, listen to me now, the broader power of healthy community. Lord willing, the final week of this brief series, we're going to celebrate the utter relief of healing grace. But today we want to talk about the fact that every one of us, every single one of us, are created in the image of God. Now, it is very important that we talk about such. You see, we are all created in the image of God. We need to discuss it. We need to give special attention to the fact that our bodies are part of that image creation. That is important because of the broader narrative today that says our bodies do not matter at all. That is why, for example, we consider a baby to be nothing more than a clump of cells. Because of prevailing narratives that say the body is nothing and doesn't matter. It's also why, it's also why we're tempted to look at our birth assignment, our sex assignment, and minimize it and see it as a trivial detail to not get in the way of our inner aspirations. You see, it's gonna be necessary for us to celebrate that we're created in God's image inside and outside. Let's look at the counsel that God gives on this. You'll see it on the screen in front of you here. It's from Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. Let's look at it together. God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, or the heavens rather, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. I've shared this before, in fact, a number of times from the platform, but to be created in the image of God includes things like having some select attributes of God's. For example, wisdom and reasoning, creativity and love. To be created in the image of God means that we have some of these attributes, it also means that we are ambassadors. And so it is we represent God and his person and his purposes within the created order. To be created in the image of God means that or implies that there is God-like activity that we embody. And so it is 
We are called to have dominion and to bring flourishing to the creative order. We bless and do not curse and so forth. But I also want to acknowledge that to be created in the image of God means that we have both a spirit within us and a body in which we are encased. And this really matters, as I said a moment ago. We see this in the scriptures, also in the book of Genesis, in these seminal passages. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and again, you'll see it here, we find this incredibly important statement. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. This is a significant, significant statement. Because what we see in this statement in Genesis chapter 2 is the coming together as part of the whole dynamic of being in God's image, the coming together of both the material and the immaterial, the body and the soul. And so it is we have uh, the dust coming together and giving way to a body, a tangible body shaped by the very hands of God. And we have breath, we have the breath giving way to the inner person, breathed by the very lungs of God, if I can say it that way. And according to the text, these material and immaterial things, the body and the breath, the, or rather the dust and the breath, they come together and they create a, a living being, a living creature. One whole individual. And indeed, God is so pleased with this that according to the end of Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, he looks at it all and he says, this is very good. Isn't that great? And then we hear the words of King David aeons later when he writes this in Psalm 139, very famous words and apropos for us today. David says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Hallelujah indeed. It's exactly right. As a matter of fact, can we just say that verse together? Let's read it out loud together. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Praise God. Praise God. This combination of body and soul, the material, the immaterial, the dust and the breath, all of it fearfully and wonderfully designed by God. And it is all special in his eyes. It all matters. 
But here, friends, is what we do. Please listen. Here is what we do. On one hand, we completely downplay the soul, the spirit, the heart, the inner person. We diminish it and we exalt the body to these great heights. And when we do this, please hear me, when we do this, we may well then, and I'm using this language intentionally, we may well then objectify the body. We objectify the body, diminishing what is within. And by objectifying the body, we nearly idolize it. Hear me. Pornography does this. We objectify bodies and we completely ignore the soul or the spirit of those we are objectifying. In fact, we prefer to pretend they have none of that so as to justify our interests. When we tell little boys to stop crying, that is us objectifying the body Live up to this ideal of masculinity, which, by the way, is, is only one opinion. It's not the whole of what masculinity is. In fact, I would dare say it's not masculine to not cry. But we offer this kind of standard and we blunt the reality of real emotions and we don't allow for those. We objectify the body when we shame girls regarding the length of their skirts or the cut of their blouses. We make their identity all about how they dress. We've elevated the body. We've diminished the soul. On the other hand, we elevate the soul, the spirit, the heart to such great heights that we essentially denigrate the body. And thus, thus my comments a bit ago about abortion and a baby being merely a, a, a clump of cells or, or well, your sexual assignment at birth is nothing. It, what really matters is is what your inner aspirations are. As a matter of fact, there is an anonymous woman who identifies as non-binary. She, she offered this statement in a particular interview. You'll, you'll see it here. And I want, you to, I want you to really absorb her words. It doesn't matter what living meat skeleton you've been born in. It doesn't matter, notice she says, how you've been born or what, what your condition is when you're born. It's not what, or I'm sorry, it's what you feel that defines you. Your body doesn't matter, she's saying. It doesn't matter whether you were born sexually or biologically a male or sexually, biologically a female. What matters is how you feel. And so in this case, the body is denigrated, diminished, and emotion is elevated. 
to great heights, I might add, and yet I would say to you she's really sadly missing something, something very important. Something very, very important. In fact, there's an ancient heresy that has become prominent again, and her statement reflects it. And that ancient heresy is Gnosticism. And those who are Gnostic, they believe that material things are evil and faulty and troublesome and need to be managed by this supposed inner power within us. The material world is evil. The body is evil. The flesh is evil. This is what Gnostics, this is what Gnostics would believe. And this is what gives shape to so much of the thinking uh, in our world today and is a big reason why those who are wrestling with, for example, gender dysphoria are in the midst of such confusion and even trauma. A respected scholar, Dr. Amber Bowen, offers this statement regarding what I'm calling and she calls and others call substance dualism, which is this attempt to ensure a stark contrast between the body and the soul. Here's what she has to say. For those who experience the trauma of feeling trapped in the wrong body, substance dualism offers two options. Either conform the body to harmonize with the soul or live in a psychologically torturous misembodied, the emphasis on mis is important, misembodied state. She's suggesting that if you are someone who is wrestling with the pain of aspirations that are different than what you perceive is your, or what is, rather, your biological assignment, you've got two options. You either conform your body to your aspiration or you remain in a fairly tortured state of mind. But friends, hear me. As already noted, we holistically are fearfully and wonderfully made by God who loves us and who has declared that the wholeness of our humanity, body and soul, is very good. And as such, this duality, this dualism, is not only completely unnatural and unnecessary, but profoundly damaging. 
greatly damaging, in fact. This is why, again, the issue of abortion is so powerful amongst so many. They have determined the body is nothing. This is also what largely influences our neighbors wrestling with transgenderism, motivating them to transition away from the body's guiding declaration. Because at the end of the day, understandably, who wants to live in a tortured state? Who wants to be controlled by something if it violates our inner aspiration? Well, please hear me. It's very important that you hear what I'm about to say. This being the case, to be stuck in a pattern of believing that your body and your gender identity are completely different things is truly painful. And our friends and family, our neighbors, who wrestle with these things, we have to understand for them this is excruciating. Because just as we don't in fact want to denigrate the body, we don't want to denigrate what's within us by way of our souls. And for these, their inner world is in total chaos. Oh, that we might understand the complexity of that and not be condemning. Oh, that we would understand the complexity of that and offer a beautiful vision, a holy vision for hope and healing. Oh, that those who are wrestling with such things might become defined by something or someone greater than the pain. Someone who sees them, loves them, understands suffering, and has the power to transcend that suffering. Well, what I'd like to do right now is invite you to seriously consider two very important applications. 
You might write these down. I see a number of you making a lot of notes. You might write these down as well. And you'll see them here in front of you. Number one. Number one, our bodies are a guiding force for how we process our humanity. It's not accidental that I am born as a male. That, therefore, is designed to guide how I process my humanity as an image bearer. It's not accidental that you are born sexually, biologically, a woman, a female. That ought to shape and influence how you process your humanity as a female. Our bodies are a guiding force for how we process our humanity. So valuable, listen to me now, this is, this is beautiful. So valuable are our bodies, so valuable is the material, listen to me friends, so valuable are our bodies that God chose to display his glory in an encased human body. And thus we read in John chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So God treasures the body so much that to display his glory, Jesus is encased in a body, a human body. Our bodies matter so much that by design, they are eternal. Eternal. And so the Apostle Paul would write these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to these words. Verse 53, he would say, for the perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality. This is the design of God. That's how precious the body is to God. That's how intentional and purposeful is his design for the body. That his son would represent the triune Godhead in a human body. And that we would have eternal bodies Perishable giving way to imperishable. Temporal giving way to what is permanent. Broken giving way to what is whole. What a great gift. What a great gift. As a matter of fact, it's such a great gift that also in 1 Corinthians, we see these words from the Apostle Paul. You'll see them in front of you here. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18, 19, and 20. 
Flee from sexual immorality. Uh, by the way, time out. Keeping that there so we can look at it. The language in that phrase is the language of, it's the Greek language of porneia. We get the word like pornography from that. So don't limit your perceptions of sexual immorality to merely things relating to homosexuality or even the challenges of gender identity. All of us, all of us wrestle with issues of sexual brokenness. So Paul's words, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. Notice the emphasis on the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Notice again the prominence of the body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Now, by the way, suddenly with that statement, we're reminded that as image bearers, and particularly those of us who are washed in the blood of Christ and followers of Jesus, we have the body and then there's this thing within us. For us, the spirit of God, but also just our own spirit as human beings. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Notice this, friends. You are not your own. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in what? Your body. Your body. The body is a guiding force for us as we walk out our humanity. Number two, secondly, and this is important because of the pain that I know a number of our neighbors have as they try to bring congruency to how they feel inside with what their body tells them. Please hear this, number two. Now we groan, but one day we who are in Christ will be made whole. And that's good news. Now we groan, we hurt, we long, we suffer, we struggle. And every one of us lives with some kind of brokenness, some kind of tension within us. There are incongruencies for all of us that we have to contend with. And it certainly is so for those who are wrestling with issues of sexual or gender identity. And the narrative, the lies, the common language of our time is, well, your body's nothing, it's all about your feelings, so you fix your body to match your feelings. Oh, friends, you're gonna still groan. Now we groan. But one day we who are in Christ will be made whole. 
By means of Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, by the way, with a body that was perishable and then turned imperishable, he's now seated at the right hand of his father, pleading, and one day he's going to return in triumph. I can't wait. But because of these things, sin and death and the devil and all of the lies and the, conf uh, the, the confusions and the questions that we have, the complexities, the pain, it will not now or ever have the final word. Because of the work of Christ, our pain and our questions, our longings, these things don't have to get the best of us. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul helps us here. You'll, you'll see it in Romans chapter 8. Uh, it, it'll be on your screen here in the room or if you're watching from somewhere else. Romans chapter 8, look with me, verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Childbirth is a metaphor here. It's, it's, it's like the pregnant mommy who's screaming, anticipating the arrival. And that's the way all of creation is. All of us. And not just us who are in the image of God, but all of creation. The seas and the stars and the rocks and the animals, even the mosquitoes, imagine that. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that is to say, we ourselves who are human beings, and even we who are redeemed, grown inwardly, as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of what? Say it with me. Our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. And then the Apostle Paul goes on. Look with me, these verses. Later in chapter 8, uh, we see them, verse 28 and following. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So let me pause here a moment. Please hear me. When you and I are wrestling with the incongruencies of our lives, and for our purposes here for those who are really wrestling with, oh, here is what my body is telling me, but my soul has a completely different paradigm it wants to pursue. Friends, let us not be defined even by our biological makeup or our emotional aspiration. Let us be defined by Jesus Christ. And let us be conformed to his image, his icon, literally. To him. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of God in order that he might be the firstborn 
among brothers. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, notice this, he also glorified. And so in our brokenness and incongruency, we have hope that in Christ, one day, all of this gives way to glory, wholeness. Let me ask you to stand with me, would you please? Father, our bodies, together with our souls, created after your very image and designed to be conformed yet again to the very image of Jesus. Our bodies and our souls together as one matter. It's precious to you. You care. You designed us with purpose. We thank you for the suffering and triumphant Jesus. who displayed your glory in a human body. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. By his help and power, may we do the same and display your glory with our bodies. And all of God's people said, Amen.